Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Hallelujah. See, when I look at this ark and raise your hands again, and I think about this blood sprinkled mercy, in it is the unbroken tablets that you're become dead to the law by the body of Christ. It had the rod of Aaron that budded. It was God saying that's the end of the Levitical priesthood because there's a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek is coming. It had a golden pot of manna in it. And what that golden pot was, when God gave them the manna, he said, I'm going to give them manna and I'm going to tell them how much of it to gather to see if they will obey my law or no. Survey says they didn't keep the law, but Jesus did. He became the true bread. He kept every jot tittle put it in the coffin, buried it, and put a lid on it. I wish you'd slap two people and tell them, put a lid on it tonight. I'm going to put a, tell somebody else, I'm going to put a lid on it tonight. I'm not going to live in guilt, condemnation, and fear of what the law and the curses of the law. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus being made a curse for me. I ain't under Adam's curse. I ain't under a generational curse. On Calvary's tree, Jesus said, I thirst. And they went and got him the sour grapes so he could drink every generational curse you had coming so that, come on, you could get the blessing. I'm talking about that'll make a praise, that'll jerk a praise. When you see that ark come up the road, you see that kind of an ark come up the road. You see a priesthood carrying this kind of ark up the road which says God already kept the rules for me. He already dealt with my rebellion. He put it, I'm covered by a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. It'll make me want to dance. It'll make me want to shout because that's what I'll... You won't have to pump. You won't have to pump me. You won't have to prime me. You see what I'm preaching tonight? It'll jerk a praise up out of you. You'd be riding down the road, leaning back in your car with a sneaking grin on your face, uh, saying this is too good to be true. And when it dawns on you, it is, uh, you're going to shout, it must be the gospel. Huh? Because it's actually the good news. See, that's why David would say in Psalm 91, raise your arms again. I can trust what's under his wings. See, that brings new meaning to he that dwells in the secret. It's not a mystical enigma. He that dwells in the secret place. I'm in union with Christ. I'm one with him. He's in me. I'm in him. Hallelujah. I'm in union with him. And because I am, hallelujah, I can trust what's up underneath of his wing. It's a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. And a, hallelujah. And everywhere you take the ark, and just like it did when it was in the house of Obed-Edom, the people started to be blessed. Because when you bring this ark, see, that's what's happening in Acts. They're bringing the message of this finished work of Jesus Christ because when they brought the ark back up, you guys can be seated. Give these guys a hand. We got the picture. When they... When they brought the ark back up, I know I'm trumpeting, I'm dumping a truckload on you tonight, but I just got one shot tonight. Every six steps, they stopped and offered sacrifice. Everything means something to me. 
Because in Solomon's temple, there was six steps to the throne. In the tabernacle of Moses, there was two stacks of six loaves of bread. And what those six stacks of bread are, the bread of his face or the bread of, I mean, he said, I'm the true bread, just to cut through the fat. Say, give me the bread, give me the bread. What is the bread? Jesus broke the bread. He said, this is my body, it was broken for you. Here's the six steps, every six steps. Jesus was crucified. He died and he was buried. That's what happened to who you used to be. Then he was quickened, he was raised, and he's right now seated. That's one stack of bread. That's what Jesus did in his redemptive work. He was crucified, died, buried, quickened, raised, and seated. But Paul got a hold of that and he said, but you were crucified with Christ. You died with him. You ain't dying, you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I, I... Then you were buried with him in baptism. Come on. See, where, where you're at in the journey is, is important. A lot of people want to don't, don't want to preach the whole thing of it. But the truth of it is, he, I was crucified, died, and buried, but I've also been quickened. I've been raised. Come on. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Come on. How, how, and then he raised us up and made us sit together, seated with him. What are you saying? Every six steps in order to bring the presence of God back, you've got to recognize uh, I was crucified. Uh, I died. Uh, I was buried. Uh, I've been quickened. Uh, I've been raised. Uh, and I'm right now, not some glad morning, not in a sweet vine by. I'm raised and seated right now. They brought the ark back up. And when they started to bring the ark up, they said, let's bring it back up. Let's put some gold hemorrhoids in it, some gold rats. And let's put it on a cart with two milk cows. Now, to me, milk speaks of righteousness. What do you mean? Because it says those that are unskillful in the word of righteousness need milk. So we're trying to find out a way to become righteous. Except under the old covenant, it's based on, did you keep all the rules? Except here's the end of the law, Romans 1, 2, and 3. There's none righteous. No, not even one, not even Moses. The mediator of that covenant made it in by the works of the law. That's another message. Even the mediator didn't make it. So if you think you can, knock yourself out. I don't even argue with people anymore. They say, Brother Howes, we are under the law. I say, how's that working for you? Show up at tomorrow night's circumcision service and we'll see how that goes. I literally did that up in uh, Peculiar, Missouri years ago. I said, took the scripture where Jesus said, your eye fin, you poke it out, your hand fin, you chop it off. I had a hand chopping line and an eye poking line and nobody was getting in my prayer line, Pastor Jeff. Nobody wondered I poked that. Jesus preached this stuff. You know why? Because Jesus was preaching the law in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to show them there's none of you making it. 
and then I said, I need one more knife, and I'm going to run a circumcision line. And a little little guy pulls out this, looked like a little tiny little old, or this lady, I guess, offered a knife and had a little old tiny, uh, you know, one of them little uh, uh, Swiss Army knives. And she said, brother, how's you use a knife? I said, well, okay. And so I, need, I said, I need one more volunteer. And an old man in the back race, he said, Dr. Howes, I'll help you. I said, okay, come on up here. He said, but that ain't a knife. And he pulled out of his hip pocket what looked like a crocodile Dundee knife. He said, but that ain't a knife. This is a knife. I said, well, that might be a little overkill because I want you to run my circumcision line tonight. I stood there, Pastor Jay, and I said, I'm going to sing just as I am without one plea. If you had your hand cut off, your eye poked out, or you want circumcised, get in these lines. Guess what? If I'd have had a prophecy line for blessing. Come on, somebody. If I'd have, come on, I, I, you, they, but what I'm trying to show you is that Jesus didn't put the nail on the proverbial coffin in Matthew 5, 45. So there's nothing that is acceptable except be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Except on the basis of the law, there's nobody that's perfect. And Listen, I, I may have shared this the last time I was here, but even under the old covenant, when the sin offering was offered, the sinner would bring a lamb to a priest. Let me example this one more time. Stand up again. Stand up. Would you stand up again? You three guys stand right here. Hallelujah. We'll do this really quick because I'm trying to get done here. This is a, this is a sinner. No, 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 no. We're gonna make him the lamb. Come on, because you y'all think y'all think he's the sinner. And I'm just gonna throw you off because we need a we need a woolly lamb. Hallelujah. And I need you right here. He's the sinner because y'all think he's holy. And he's the high priest because he's got a cross on. Hallelujah. So Josh needs to get to Jesus, or he needs to get to God. The only way to get to God under the old covenant is through blood, the blood of a spotless lamb. So you get your lamb, and you bring your lamb over here to the high priest. And then you would lay your hands on the head of the lamb and confess your sin over him. See, Hebrews 6 is talking. When Hebrews 6 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into perfection, not laying again the foundation of faith towards God and of laying on of hands. He was talking about an old covenant ritual of putting your sins on a lamb. And the baptisms he was talking about was divers' washings. He's talking about moving from old covenant to new covenant. But when Josh puts his head on the head of this lamb and confesses his sin, he then has conveyed, he laid on him the iniquity. Everything Josh had coming has now been laid on the lamb. And then you hand your lamb to the high priest. And then you step back, if you would, past Josh. And then the high priest would have to examine the lamb. Would you examine my lamb, please? And then tell me what you think about my lamb. I don't see too many spots. Got a couple of wrinkles, but it's okay. <laughs> Okay, well we got to get an, we got to get another lamb then. Here, even Pilate, watch this. Even Pilate said, "I have." He said, "This is innocent blood." Judas, who was a devil, said, "I have betrayed innocent blood." But what I want you to see is, the sinner is never examined. Your acceptance was not based on how good you are. I'm talking about what will jerk a praise up out of you. You're accepted on the basis of how good your lamb is. And your lamb is what's accepted. 
and your lamb is what's examined. But here's what we do every Sunday morning. We examine Josh, and we look for his spots, his wrinkles, his blemishes, his problems, his sin. His and what happens is it shuts up faith, and Josh walks away saying, I'm disqualified. I'm unholy. I didn't make it. I'm not righteous because there's none righteous. No, not one under the law. Come on, somebody. But watch this. The writer of the book of Hebrews said, by, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And you're sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So that when Josh, come on, laid his hands on the head of a lamb and confessed, come on, hallelujah, and received the work of Calvary, God accepted him and the beloved forever perfected to meet the criteria of John. Come on, of be ye therefore perfect is not on the basis of your performance. It's on the basis of a sacrifice. I see an ark. I see an ark coming up the road. I see, no wonder David would want to dance. Because I feel like dancing tonight myself because I didn't think I was holy. I didn't think I was good enough. I felt like I was disqualified. I always felt second class. I always felt like God could never use me. Then I started watching the lamb. I started looking at the lamb. And instead of preaching Josh, I started preaching Jesus. I started preaching him. I started, and guess what happened? And when Peter preached Jesus to Gentiles, Holy Ghost showed up. I said, when you preach Jesus, Holy Ghost to show up. So they thought they would bring the ark up Come on. And try to get the presence of God and try to get righteousness with two milk cows and a wooden cart, boards and big wheels. Let's get the presence with boards and big wheels. Come on. Let's, let's get the best method. And I certainly don't have nothing against the props we use. I thank God for the tools of the media and the lights and the smoke. But let me tell you, if you don't got more than smoke and a Starbucks in the lobby, you can get that at any entertainment venue. And we come on sometimes are like a like a bad knockoff. Come on, somebody. We're like an imitation trying to imitate something else. But if the Holy Ghost ever show up, if the Holy Ghost come and settle down on you. Let, let, but when the ark started up the road, Uzzah, whose name means strength, human strength, and Ahia, who means brotherly, said, let's help this out. Let's get some human sweat involved. Let's make this Jesus plus what they're doing in Acts 15. Let's make it plus circumcision. Let's make it plus. Let's keep these rules. Let's do these. Let's, let's make it Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? And so they're trying to balance grace. Now, I don't know if you can balance grace. Now, you can balance how people perceive it, and I think we need to do that. But, but grace is so outrageous. It is so scandalous. It is so un, hallelujah, unpredictable. 
predictably good that God would heal a drug dealer. I've seen God heal a drug dealer who got saved on Friday night and on Saturday night the, the evangelist said I want you to, uh, he came up for healing on Saturday night and he said I got saved last night I need a healing tonight. He was a biker and the evangelist said take this microphone curse that cancer. Well you tell a, a biker to curse cancer he don't know Christianese. He took that microphone, he said, you dirty, and he started cussing everything you can imagine. Can I tell you, can, sometimes I feel like cursing cancer like that myself. I'm just being transparent tonight. And so the evangelist, when that guy started cussing, he grabbed the microphone out of his hand. He said, I didn't mean to cuss. He said, too late, the tumor just dissolved. Biker got healed cussing like a sailor. Now, am I saying you ought to cuss? Absolutely not. I'm trying to tell you, though, his heart was right. And by faith, he did what that man of God told him, and he got healed. While somebody who'd been in church for 40 years couldn't get healed, a drug dealer got healed. Because grace is a scandal. Hallelujah. It is the un, come on, hallelujah, merited favor, unearned undeserved favor of God. God's a good God and he's good all the time. And people are having a crisis of faith because God is good. Listen, listen, listen. God ain't trying to destroy America right now. I said God is not destroying America. Americans are destroying America. God is standing there saying, are you done yet? Have you met? I'm trying to help you. I got my arms stretched out. Said you could trust what's up under my wings. Come on. And then we got the church on the other side trying to stabilize an ark and a system that's shaken because we, because what used to work ain't working anymore. Trying to get folk back up under the law. Trying to preach circumcision. Come on. Trying to preach rules. Trying to preach the wrong covenant. Wrong covenant. But when, when, when they put forth their hand to stay the ark, God smote us and Ahio, and they fell down dead. David got upset. He said, "What? I, I'm about half afraid to do this. I, and God spoke to him, son, nobody ought to carry the ark except for the priest. Now, let me just say this. I mean, I'm, trying, I'm circling the land now. I think I've covered enough material. The story of Ananias and Sapphire to me is a powerful picture of mixture. Ananias, his name means grace. Ananias' name means grace. They come to Peter and he has a wife by the name of Sapphira. The sapphire stone was the pavement on Mount Sinai where the law was given and was probably the stone the law was written on. So now we've got grace, Ananias, and Sapphire. We've got a mixture of law and grace. And it's not just killing them, it's killing all of us. You're not hearing where I'm coming from. Because when you, see, I, I, I sympathize with preachers who don't know any different, who are ignorant. I, I think you got a lot of preachers doing the best they can with what they knew, and they're preaching what they heard somebody else say, or they were taught in Bible college, and I get it. I was there, too. I'm very patient. I'm not a grace policeman, but here where I'm coming from 
is that the mixture of law and grace brings death to the camp because it's us putting our hand to try to stabilize a system, an ark that is falling. But you see, if you go one chapter later, there's a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus who's a legalist who's trying to kill people who are getting free from the bondage of law. And he's knocked to the ground and he's blinded in his eyes. But guess who shows up to open the eyes of a legalist? Grace without a sapphire stone. Grace without law. Now, let me try to land this. Because I don't think God is calling us to be lawless. That doesn't mean that there's not a call for holiness. But the problem has been, as we've tried to do it through our human strength and through our religious activities. Because when David brought the ark back up to Mount Zion, they were still lighting candles, baking bread, and offering sacrifices down on, on Mount, I believe it was... Uh, forgot the name of the mountain, Mount Moriah. So they're even in the time of these apostles. They have a temple in operation where they're still going through the rituals. They're still offering sacrifices. They're still baking bread. They're still lighting candles, but there's no ark behind door number three. Brother Josh, there's no presence. God has moved out of that into an old flapping tent again because a tent signifies God's about to move. Come on, stand on your feet all over this room tonight. Come on, stand on your feet. This period of time in history, I don't know if I've done this justice or not tonight, From the time that Jesus stood up and declared, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up again. Until they destroyed that physical temple was 40 years. A transition period of 40 years, exact same amount of time as the wilderness journey, but it's also the same exact amount of time that David reigned over Israel. Jesus had become king by the resurrection of the dead. And he was establishing the tabernacle of David that would be inclusive of both Jew and Gentile, bond and free. And even when he writes to them, here's the few things I want you to do. Don't eat things offered to idols. Me defends your brother, don't eat it. You got to realize the context of that. He's not telling us 2,000 years later, don't eat any meat. He's saying, you Gentiles are coming in, but you don't realize that these Jews have, this is the first time they've been around anybody that don't eat anything kosher. So let's try to bring the two camps together and don't offend people on purpose. That ought to help some folks even in the grace camp because I have no desire to lead a rebellion. I do have a desire to lead a reformation. Hallelujah. Because I believe there's a priesthood in the earth today. Not after the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek and Brother Josh, we've sold in an ark and we're carrying the picture that I put before you of the resurrected Christ who was crucified, died, buried, quick, and raised and seated. And a stone that has been rolled away. Hallelujah. And if Christ is risen, then I'm no longer in my sin.
I'm accepted in the beloved. Well, Brother Howes, I'm a mess. Welcome to the club. Somebody said, well, you guys are just preaching grace because there's sin in your life. I said, you better believe it. Now, listen where I'm coming from. That's too transparent for you. There ain't nobody in this building from the pulpit to the door that don't need help. If it ain't grace, ain't nobody going to make it. Hallelujah. Now, that's not an excuse. Come on. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that as a cover-up. I'm just saying there's not a day that I don't need the grace of God to teach me to deny ungodliness. And it doesn't make me become a couch potato because the Apostle Paul said, Hallelujah, I labor more than you all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was on me. I believe there's a fresh shout coming to the people of God and the people who stand back like the wife of David and say, you're a foolish man because you dance like a crazy man. You left a crazy uncle loose on Sunday morning and you have shamed. He said, you ain't going to produce nothing. You folk want to sit back and criticize everything that's happened. Sometimes you got to get it. Sometimes you got to let it get a little wild before you can get it to balance a little bit. My mom always used to say, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire at all. Hallelujah. And I believe the ark is being restored, and I believe it's just what I said tonight. is somebody carrying the presence. I don't know if the worship team left or not, but you come back and get ready to do that dry bones again. Could we do the dry bones thing again? Because I believe that kind of fits a little here. Because, you know, even in what they're singing from is the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. But the latter part of Ezekiel 37 says that in that day I'm going to restore an everlasting covenant. And on the throne of David, one is going to set to order it. And I believe when he's talking about the breath of God coming, come on, and breathing on these slain. He wasn't just talking about something way out in the future. He was talking about the wind of God that would come like on a day of Pentecost, like a mighty rushing wind. It was God giving us mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. It was God breathing and saying, it's time to live. Listen, you know, all over this room tonight, I don't know about you, but in the last several weeks, it's like this attack of oppression has tried to and discouragement affect my own mind. And I, I listen, I'm pretty strong, but I, I start thinking, well, this is, this is more than just me having thoughts. And I believe people are discouraged and depressed and oppressed. But I'm going I'm to do what God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind, speak to the wind, and say to the wind, breathe upon this slain. And I'm asking God for a move of the Holy Ghost and the breath of God to sweep through this place, but not only through this place, but those watching by camera tonight. If you know somebody that's sick in their body or you're sick in your own body or you've got some things that you're facing, can I challenge you to pray in the Holy Ghost? Reach into the power toolbox and get one of the power tools you got. Because the Holy Ghost knows how to pray when you don't know how to pray.
Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, we release you to move even on this second wave of COVID that seems to want to hit the earth. We just pray. I pray to those discouraged and people despondent and people that have been discouraged even in this season. I prophesy to the wind and I say breathe. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.